Hi everyone, my name is Mare Verk and welcome to Life on the Farm. Hi everyone and welcome back to another week at Life on the Farm. This week we'll be talking about my second week on the acute care cardiology service and I was there for two days because of residency interviews but I actually had my first weekend shift which was really cool. I was expecting there to be a lot more differences between the weekdays and the weekends but it turns out there were actually a lot more similarities than I originally thought so I will definitely touch upon that later in today's episode. In regard to residency interviews, I finished my last interview last week, so that's really exciting. I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to go through that whole process, and now I play the waiting game along with everyone else who applied, and so we have 17 days, I think, from the day that this episode goes up until phase one on March 19th, the match day, but who's counting? The answer is me. I, I'm the one that's counting. So definitely nerve wracking, but also exciting to be on the other side of interviews, but to be pre-match. So I guess it's like this limbo phase. We'll call it limbo. I think that's a pretty accurate representation of what this time period looks like. In regard to my rotation, I had a lot of really interesting experiences and some amazing opportunities for growth and I really wanted to touch upon two big things and I think the first one it has to do with prioritizing and triaging what the medical team asks of you throughout the day in addition to your daily responsibilities. I got a lot of things thrown at me at once at one point in addition to having to take care of my own duties and responsibilities like I just mentioned and so I thought I'd share with you all how I approach these situations, the way that I break it down and be able to meet deadlines and follow through with everyone within the appropriate amount of time and I think that this is important to share just because you'll get asked about it if you're interested in residency or even fellowship or a job. I think this is a skill that's really important and I got asked about during my interviews is how you manage multiple tasks and how you're able to address all of them and so I wanted to share with you all what works for me, offer some insight into kind of the strategies that I implement and employ on a day-to-day -day basis. And then the next thing I wanted to talk about since I kind of just briefly brushed over it last week and I feel like I've really gotten closer with my team this week is how to integrate yourself as a key member on the team, as a valuable member. And this definitely goes back to two episodes ago and putting your best foot forward. But I think there are a lot of other things and nuances that you can definitely implement and remind yourself of when it comes to playing a valuable role and showing what a pharmacist can bring to the table, even as a student pharmacist. So... All of that and so much more. As the title suggests, I aorta tell ya, I oughta tell ya, and that's what I'm going to do this week about my experiences, share with you some insight, and hopefully you can take away a tip or trick about how to prioritize, triage your responsibilities, how to become a key member of the team, vibe with everyone, and really be able to make an impact. So without further ado, let's get into it. We'll go ahead and kick things off by talking about how not only to prioritize your daily tasks and responsibilities, but also triaging the things that the team asks of you throughout the day. So just to give you all a little refresher, we start the day by doing table rounds. So we all sit together, we go through all of our patients extensively. And during this time, we also do teaching. And so the medical residents, fellow attending, do a lot of teaching about the certain disease states or the certain devices that our patients are on at this time. And so 
so it's a really great way to kind of get familiar with what's going on and I think just a quick side note it's really great to be able to attend these sessions let's say that your team does teaching before rounds if you're able to go I highly recommend because what they talk about there really can impact some of the decisions you make for your patient I think something that we don't learn in pharmacy school and it makes sense just because there isn't enough time to cover all of these different things and this is the value of being able to go on appies and learn all of these different things in real time with real world scenarios is that a lot of these different devices or situations that our patients are in very much affect their physiology and based off of that we can go ahead and tailor their medication therapy to their current state and that's constantly fluctuating and again one of the really cool challenging things about being impatient especially on this service where we cover cardio surgery cardiothoracic icu cardio icu just the general cardiology even patients in the ed and whatnot being able to really think about all of this and tie that back to the medication is something I'm finding to be a really exciting part about this experience. And so like I mentioned, uh, during table rounds, uh, we talk and whatnot, and I offer recommendations in those moments that I noticed right away that I feel like we can make during that time. After that, we go and we do bedside rounds. So now we're able to see what the patient looks like in person. And as a student pharmacist, as a pharmacist in general, something that my preceptor shared with me this week that I think is just important to reiterate and that I've also picked up on other rotations is how important it is to see how your patient is doing in person. There's all of this information in the EMR, all of the words are written there, everyone's interpretations and whatnot. But as a pharmacist, you are a clinician and a provider and seeing the state of your patient patient can give you a lot of insight into how they're doing. And I think this has a lot to do, especially if you have a patient who is experiencing septic shock, if you're trying to figure out if they're improving clinically, what do they look like? How do they appear? And so a lot of these things can give you some indication if you're unsure really what the clinical picture is just based off the numbers. And so again, I think that's why it's really valuable that we not only sit down and really dive deep into these patients, but also take that extra step of going to the bedside, talking to the nurses. I love doing that because they obviously are the ones who spend the most time with the patient and really working all together. Um, RT is there too, if the patient's intubated or whatnot, and really kind of moving forward with our plan that we already kind of devise during table rounds. And so by the end of bedside rounds, sometimes we've made additional adjustments. There are other things we want to consider. They're making moves that we didn't talk about beforehand. So then I need to think a little bit more about what changes I'd want to make. And so after the bedside rounds are done, I go back to the cardiology pharmacist office and throughout table rounds is normally when I write my notes. Um, so when I go back to the office, I try to finish those up, review any recommendations that I made. And at the same time, look into kind of what we talked about on bedside rounds and see if there are any adjustments I need to reach out to the team in regard to medications. And then for the rest of the day, the team basically just asks me questions if they have anything. I monitor the queue to make sure that what we talked about is what ends up in there. And so I had a particular day this week where we had a very complicated patient. And so there were a lot of different things coming in from a lot of different people. Generally speaking, one of the residents is in charge for a patient. And so it's like a one-to-one -one system. 
but again, um, it's very much a team effort. And so there are a lot of people who are working hard on making sure these patients get exceptional care. And so sometimes multiple people have questions about just one patient. And a lot of these patients can be really challenging. And so I not only had a patient who needed to be dosed for vancomycin and cefepime, who was on continuous sled hemodialysis. I had a patient with an impella who had an ACT goal. So that's basically the activated clotting time, which is not a unit of measurement that we learned in pharmacy school. So I wasn't super familiar with it, but this patient uh, was being monitored while being on heparin with the impella, also developing a mural thrombus. So trying to figure out what to do for anticoagulation. I also then had to make sure that the orders my team were placing had the right admin instructions and that the patient needed these particular medications. And then I had another separate patient who had their own antibiotics that I needed to figure out. And so all of these things are happening at once. And I am also trying to work on my own med histories and anticoagulation educations that I have to do during my day. But I'm also getting messages from the team about all of this. And my preceptors have their own patients as well. And so as I'm getting all of these messages, trying to manage my own situations and my own responsibilities, I basically try to follow four simple steps. And that's to triage, communicate, prioritize, and follow up. And so when I start with triage, basically as these things are coming in, I'm starting to kind of formulate in my head what's most important to me and how am I going to go ahead and fit this in with what I'm already doing. And so when I got all of these things kind of in at the same time, I start thinking in my head, well, what's my biggest concern right now? I have two antibiotic situations. I have an anticoagulation situation and I have an order in the queue that needs an admin instruction to be fixed. And so First of all, I think about the admin instructions, that can probably wait. It was an order for IV magnesium. That's not super urgent. The patient was within a pretty normal range, and so we just wanted to bump them a little bit. That can wait a couple of minutes. The next thing I'm thinking about are my antibiotics. Are these being timed right now? Is this patient in need of them? Kind of what is the situation going on there? Taking a quick look. Are they timed for later in the day? Do I have a little bit of time to kind of maybe wait on those? And then the last thing that I considered, and probably the most important one of all, was the patient with the impella who needed to be anticoagulated for this mural thrombus and having this ACT goal that they were already above. And so that definitely took the cake. I was able to wrap up what I was finishing uh, working on. So I was already at the end of my anticoagulation educations and my med history. So I was able to wrap that up. And then I started working on the anticoagulation. And so that's basically the triage part is in my head, kind of putting everything into a particular order, but being open to the fact that another thing totally could have come my way, something could adjust. And so being ready and flexible for that. The next thing is to communicate. So it's not enough to just get these messages, triage in your head, know your plan, but make sure that the people that you're talking with about this know what you're doing and what your next steps are and when they can expect to hear back from you. Again, it's important to keep everybody in the loop. It not only fosters a good working relationship, but again, it's for the sake of your patient. It keeps everyone on the same page. And so as I get these messages in, I give everyone an estimated period of time by which I will get back to them with more information. I give myself plenty of time. The more urgent ones, of course, I try to figure out immediately, such as my anti coagulation one but for the two antibiotics I let them know I get back to them about half an hour and for the order I just 
wanted to hold off for a second, making a mental note that I would go ahead and shoot that doctor a quick message about it. So once everyone was aware of what my game plan was and when they could expect to hear back from me, I start to then do my own work. So I start looking into what to do for this particular anticoagulation situation. And just to give you some insight, patients who are on Impella, which by the way, I had no idea what an Impella was before this rotation. And I didn't even know what it was until I showed up that morning. And luckily our team does teachings, like I mentioned during table rounds. And so just a quick little, I guess, blurb about it is this device that goes, it's like a wire basically that goes into the left ventricle. It has a motor inside of it and it's able to pull blood from the left ventricle and pump it into the aorta. So it increases the amount of volume of blood that the heart is able to put out. And so this requires a heparin purge to go along with it, but the team was using a specific type of parameter to monitor it called activated clotting time. And so the Impella, this device, actually has a recommended value of the 180 mark. And so if it's above 180, the ACT, then we hold the heparin. If it's below, we restart. But this patient also has a thrombus. And so so much to take into consideration, but at the end of the day, basically the resolution was that for a patient to be anticoagulated on heparin, their ACT would be about 120. And so as long as this patient is being maintained on this goal of 180 because of the impella indication, they would be anticoagulated in regard to the thrombus as well. So I was able to work with my preceptor through all of that. I absolutely did not know that on my own, by the way. And so we definitely talked that out and I got back to that provider as soon as possible to let him know. My next follow-up was looking at the antibiotics. And so I was able to time everything. Again, me dosing vancomycin for a patient on continuous sled hemodialysis. That is not something I learned in pharmacy school. So that also warranted a longer conversation. And then last but not least, I of course have the other antibiotics for that other patient. So I've definitely followed up on that. And then last but not least, I made sure to message the doc to let him know that he needed to change the admin instructions. And so that's a really quick thing that we can just go ahead and kind of follow up throughout. And of course, if it's a stat order, make sure that that's prioritized. But again, it's all on a situation to situation basis. So just being mindful of that, but that's kind of the way that I go about things. And so that kind of wraps up the follow through part is that you get back to everyone with your recommendations. And so you need to be prepared then that they might also come back to you with more questions. And so it's important that you've really thought through what you're going to recommend, be ready to have some explanations, the evidence to back it up and be ready to consider some alternatives. And so sometimes I do this over messages if it's something quick or I'll go up to their workroom again and have this conversation in person. And so that's what I ended up doing uh, for the antibiotics just because it warranted a longer conversation about duration. What are we worried about? What's the clinical picture? The message about the order in the queue was a little bit quicker. And then uh, the message for the anticoagulation, that first thing I messaged, about or I got a message about. I actually didn't message back. I ended up calling them just because they were at bedside. And so I wanted to make sure that I could get to them in a timely manner and they were moving around a lot. So I was able to have a conversation with them over the phone, which was great. And so that's kind of just what I want to talk about because it can be really overwhelming. And as a student, you also feel like you have to take on a lot, or maybe that's just me, but I think it's also important to be reasonable and to let everyone know that you're working on these things and they do take time and that's totally okay but it's important also to have a strategic game plan and make sure it's one that's at the benefit of your patients and if you have trouble prioritizing if you have a lot of questions at once definitely talk to your preceptor you are the the gatekeeper for this team as far as the meds go and so making sure that 
the patient is taken care of is your number one priority. So if you feel overwhelmed, you feel like there's a lot happening, definitely tell your preceptor because it's more important to make sure that patient's taken care of than to feel like you need to save face for some reason. So Again, those are kind of just the steps that I take. And so to review, it's the four things. It's to triage, communicate, prioritize, and then follow up. And so again, triaging as everything's coming in, figuring out what order you're going to do it in, communicate, let everyone know when you're going to get back to them, prioritize, addressing things in the order that you think they are the most important, the highest acuity, and then going from there. And then four, follow up and follow through for your own sake as well, because this is also a time where you want to make sure that you can leave the hospital knowing that every loose end is tied. Never leave without having handed off a certain situation if it isn't taken care of or stay and take care of it yourself that's definitely something I realize for my own sanity I feel like if we're in this field it should be for everyone's sanity but I absolutely cannot leave until I know that every loose end is either being addressed by the person taking over after me or that I'm going to be responsible for making sure it's taken care of before I leave but just wanted to share that because a lot of things can happen and it was definitely a very high intensity day and it's just something I want to talk about because you'll definitely get asked it in interviews and it's something that I was able to reflect on during my own interviews that certain experience and so I thought I'd go ahead and share with you all in case you're wondering kind of what it's like because some days are way more hectic than others but at the end of the day it's really about how you handle them and how you're able to contribute and really make a positive impact. So the next thing I want to go ahead and talk about is how to integrate yourself on the interdisciplinary team. And I know that this is something that can be really daunting. I still feel really intimidated by the whole situation, even though I've done it a couple of times. But I've found that there are a couple of things you can do to really help ease your way into a situation. And so for me, on the first couple of days, the preceptor normally comes with us. And so when they do come, they'll normally introduce you to the rest of the team. And I take that opportunity to say a really solid hello. And I know that seems like a really small piece of advice or like detail or it may not seem very important, but making sure that you walk in and you're confident enough to speak at that volume so you know everyone can hear you and say hi and speak for yourself really kind of sets the tone in my opinion. And then from there, at least everyone looks up from what they're doing to acknowledge that you are now a new person in the room. They see that you were with the preceptor for pharmacy and so they know kind of what your role is going to be. And so from there, in my head, it makes it a little bit easier when you're able to make eye contact with everyone with that initial high. So I know that's a lot of pressure to put on a high when you walk into a room, but for me, I really do think it makes a difference. From there, for the first couple of days when my preceptor is there, I just shadow and kind of watch where they insert their recommendations, kind of how what their flow looks like. And so I think you can learn a lot in your particular situation. For me, once I was on my own for rounds, I found that the best place to place my recommendations was after we had gone over the assessment and plan for the day. That way it gave them an opportunity to recap, kind of regroup everything that they wanted to talk about, summarize what their action plan was going to be. And then from there, I knew exactly what they were thinking and then I could figure out what recommendations to make. And I don't have a tip or trick for really just speaking, but something that will help make it less awkward is again, just making sure you say it loud enough that so that they can hear you. Don't be afraid to just say it because there is nothing more awkward, at least for me personally, than like starting to speak and someone starts speaking louder than you about the next thing. You don't need to yell, but like make sure that they can hear you. 
Speak with confidence because you're also giving a recommendation. And although you are a pharmacy student, you may not be as experienced as they are. That doesn't mean that you don't have something you can't offer them and that you're not a drug expert. There are a lot of nuances that we learn in pharmacy school that we know as pharmacists that oftentimes others in the team don't think about. And so really be confident with your recommendation and say it if you mean it because you should mean it. So say it because you do mean it. And be ready to be shot down, just being totally honest, because at the end of the day, you might know the right answer. You might know that this is how this works. You know that this is what may or may not happen based off the patient's physiology and the drug-drug interactions, but the team may decide to do something else. And you know what? That's okay. That doesn't mean you didn't make a good recommendation. That doesn't mean that what you said was wrong. It's just they wanted to go a different route. And so, of course, be ready to kind of talk out your recommendation and be ready to have that conversation. But don't take it personally. You put yourself out there and now they know that you are able to speak to something that you are really there to contribute. And I think that that's great. And I think that's always a good first step. Not to mention you're a learner. So don't take it the wrong way. If anything, it's a learning opportunity. And now you know something for the next time. So that's awesome. My other tip is to make sure that if you do have something that you know needs to be done, to take care of it while you're with the team. And so something that's really appreciated is that we handle warfarin. It's warfarin's dosed by pharmacy. And so anytime we have a warfarin patient, I make sure that I make that recommendation at table rounds because the INR is already in for the day because it's drawn with morning labs. And I ask, that's one of those things you can ask them to do and they're always thankful about because it's one less thing they have to think about and they know their patient's going to be taken care of for the day because pharmacy's handling it. And so I always make sure and say, oh, would you mind adding in the order for two and a half milligrams today for so-and-so? They take care of it right then and there. And I know that that order is placed. I can finish the separate anticoagulation note I make and everyone's really happy about it. You'd be really surprised that there are so many things that we can offer that we can take care of and we can alleviate from the plate of other people because of the expertise that we have knowing medications and handling these things for them. So again, you definitely serve a purpose. So don't be afraid to speak up and be confident in the recommendations that you're making and definitely take those small wins the low-hanging fruit, the making sure the warfarin order gets put in, to making sure that the patient's lisinopril is held in the state of AKI. All of these things, they may seem so straightforward because we're pharmacy students, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be pointed out. So if you have something you want to point out, do it. Make sure that it's known. I think another thing that kind of speaks to this in a situation I saw this week is we have a patient who's on tube feeds. And so we really are hoping that we can get them back to strength. They've been through a really traumatic situation. And so they have a swallow eval coming up, but for now they're staying on tube feeds until they can gain back their strength. And so as we're turning up the tube feeds, we're not only being aware of refeeding syndrome, but at the same time, we have to monitor their glucose. And so a patient, we wanna make sure who's inpatient admitted, our goal is keeping them below 180. But as you can imagine, as this patient is getting more nutrients and whatnot, their blood glucose is rising. And of course, being totally cognizant of not only in our diabetes patients, but this can also happen in our non-diabetes patients, is that their blood glucose starts to stay a little bit higher. And so the team's really focused on making sure that this patient gets their strength back, that their electrolytes look good. But if there's something that you notice and you notice that no one else has kind of mentioned it or anything, go ahead and mention it. And so I'm noticing that this patient's glucoses are sitting around the upper 170s around 180s and I'm kind of just 
thinking to myself like, oh, as a pharmacist, kind of, am I going to put them on sliding scale? Do I need to recommend that? And so I just bring it up to the resident as something to keep in mind. That way they know to have a conversation with me. I know to have a conversation with them. We're kind of on the same page, being aware that this is something that's happening. So again, really about having a conversation. There are so many things that go into taking care of a patient and there's so much that we're taught in pharmacy school and so many things we can do to evaluate a patient and really offer another perspective. So never underestimate the value of having your eyes on the patient and what you can bring to the table. So I think that's the biggest thing. So I guess the short story is confidence. Confidence is key and not being afraid to be shot down and not to take it personally. Because at the end of the day, you are a learner. You're giving it your best shot. And of course, if there's anything you're ever hesitant about, you can loop your preceptor in on it too or wait until after rounds to bring it up to them. So if you need to get more advice or if you need to kind of run it by somebody else, you can wait until after round. And then the thing you'll see over time is that eventually they'll turn to you. They'll start asking you questions. They'll start looping you in on kind of figuring out what to do or like ask you questions about comparisons between medications, if this is better than that. And you'll start to see that you'll become a part of the team, but it really is about coming in with confidence, making the changes you know you can make right then and there and following up with the ones that you may need to talk to your preceptor about a little bit longer. But again, as long as you are going to them with evidence-based recommendations, you're ready to have a conversation about it, and you speak with confidence, I think it definitely can go a long way. And don't be afraid to talk to the residents first um, about their particular patients, and then if you feel like you need to go to the attending, do that. For me, I just wanted everyone to kind of know who I was and understand what I brought to the table so I didn't have an issue speaking up at table rounds. But I think another way you can ease into things is just starting with the residents because each resident is assigned a particular patient and they can put in their own orders and whatnot. And so I start with them and talk to them about what they wanna do for that patient. And that makes things a little bit easier too if you're intimidated. And then from there, it really is just learning to work with one another and keeping that line of communication open. And last but not least, I wanted to quickly touch upon what it was like working my weekend shift. So beforehand, I thought it wasn't going to have any rounding. I thought it would just be kind of working up patients, adding events for the day, but I was pleasantly surprised to see that it was basically like a weekday, at least my team was. But in general, big things I noticed, the hospital is so empty. And I know that that might be obvious to everyone else, but for some reason, I just expected it to be as kind of hustle and bustle as it is during the weekday, but it is very quiet inside. And so it was really cool in one regard and also really eerie in another. But my team had table rounds. We met just like we would any other day. We went on bedside rounds. Things carried on as usual, which was great. I think probably the biggest thing and the reason that makes it a little bit easier too on the weekends is that there aren't any procedures really taking place. And so you don't have a lot of that. Oh, which meds do we need to stop? How long should we hold these? When do we need to restart? Because you kind of have to wait until Monday anyway. And I think one of my favorite parts about the weekend is that it really offers you the opportunity to learn a lot from your preceptor. Not that I don't learn a lot during the week, but what was really cool about this whole situation, being in having a weekend shift, was that I really got to dive deep into some of these topics with my preceptor on a couple of the questions I had. And so we really got to break down the pharmacokinetics and talk about vancomycin dosing and I'm trying to think of what other things, a lot of hemodialysis stuff too, just because there are different types, like I mentioned previously, uh, talking about what we do for certain anticoagulation. And so we talked for almost two hours just about a lot of the things we see in cardiology and kind of what he's 
seen during his career just because he's been doing this for such a long time and I found that to be so useful and despite the fact I've only been there a couple of days now I feel like I have learned so so much on this rotation and so it's been really great just being able to kind of slow things down one day and really dive deep into certain topics because I think we get a great overview of things throughout the week but being able to pinpoint kind of some areas where I want to be able to really take on more challenging cases and kind of figure out or know what step to take first, I think was really beneficial to be able to talk with him about. So overall, a really great experience. Um, everyone's pretty laid back about it. I mean, I guess there's really no big difference. I think I was just shook at the fact that there were like no people anywhere. Like I was surprised, like even seeing my own team, just that felt like way too many people. But uh, it was really great that we could, yeah, continue to do rounds and see everyone. And honestly it was a really great experience and I really had fun I'm actually looking forward to my next weekend shift and I mean I really enjoy all of my rotations like I say 800 times but really it was just kind of something new I think it's also the weather too not to be the person that like talks about the weather or whatever but I'm in northern California now and it's getting sunnier outside and the sun shines and it kind of feels warm in the morning so not like super warm or anything, but warm enough for the fact that we're at the end of February, early March. And so I don't know, I think just in general, it was a positive type of experience. And I got, also got Dunkin' Donuts that morning. So really, how can I have a bad day when it starts off with Dunkin'? And that will go ahead and wrap up today's episode. I hope you were able to take away a few tips or tricks on how to prioritize and triage your situations and responsibilities, as well as how to really become a key player on the team, speaking up, being confident, and becoming a valuable member that has a lot to offer and bring to the table. Um, but if not, I hope at least the stories were a little bit entertaining and give you some insight into what life is like on this service and the different things that we encounter. And I want to say thank you so much to all of you for taking the time to listen to today's episode or any of the episodes in the past. It really does mean the world to me. You can definitely come chat with me on the Life on the Farm podcast Instagram. If you could follow on Spotify and rate on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing as well. But until I talk to you all again, I hope you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy and I will talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.